If you've been here before, typically the first thing I tell you to do is to grab your Bibles, and I do want you to get your Bibles, but we're not going to be looking at one specific passage this morning. We're going to be looking at several different passages. Our theme this morning is uh, to prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving. We'll come back to Tell Me the Story of Jesus series next Sunday. We'll be in the Gospel of of Luke in that time. Um, But I love Thanksgiving. Uh, It is the one time of year where my mom has a very strict rule, and that is that we have to be at her house on Thanksgiving. Um, Part of that is because my brother's a pastor, my dad's a pastor, I'm a pastor, and so Christmas is a lot of fun to try to orchestrate and put together and getting together. So she says, I get Thanksgiving. I don't We'll figure Christmas out, but you're here on Thanksgiving. And so this is a great time of year because many of us begin to fatten ourselves up as we prepare for the cold months ahead in winter. Uh, We put on a few extra pounds. Uh, There's many different aspects and traditions that go with Thanksgiving. I know we have several families here this morning and some that aren't here this morning that one of their traditions as a family is they go to a turkey trot. Uh, They either run 5K or they walk 5K, and they spend that time together as they go through the streets, either in Stratford or in Springfield. And uh, my brother jokes that he's a runner. I've I've always wanted to be a runner. I've always tried to be a runner. I just never can get to that place that Ethan says is that runner's high, where you're like, yeah, I mean, that's like when I'm done, I'd get it. But during the midst of it, so if you see me out running, just pray for me because just know I'm not enjoying it at all. But anyway, my brother tells me that he runs so he can eat more. And that's the whole goal of running, particularly on Thanksgiving morning, is that he can eat later and eat more in the day. A lot of us know where we'll be on Thanksgiving or when we'll be with certain people on Thanksgiving. And sometimes I know it doesn't always fall on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Sometimes it's spread throughout the week or the weekend. We know who's going to be there. Uh, We typically know who's cooking what, if we're responsible for bringing anything. Uh, We typically know what we'll do after we eat our Thanksgiving meal. Most of us will sit on a couch or recliner, and we'll just go into that turkey coma as whatever's on TV is playing. Unfortunately, when it comes to Thanksgiving, this uh, particular holiday has been bombarded in the last several years with the holiday of Christmas. I remember for Thanksgiving before COVID hit, one thing that me and Jamie and my brother and his wife enjoyed doing is after we ate and we got later into the afternoon, we would leave all the grandkids with my folks and we'd head out to Walmart to enjoy the festivities with all the other people. Um, (laughs) And we always thought it was funny. I always thought it was funny because I would be walking through Walmart and I'd be throwing stuff into the cart and and I'd see my brother grabbing stuff and putting it in his cart. And then by the time we left, I took everything out of the cart and I basically had like socks and underwear for the kids. That's basically all I ever bought on Black Friday at Walmart. And and I had to laugh at my brother because he tried to buy this massive TV one year. And he bought some other stuff. (laughs) He actually had to call the bank to tell the bank it was actually him buying all this stuff um, because the the amount that he ended up spending that that evening. But anyway, um, you know, Christmas is is right around the corner. We know that. And sometimes Thanksgiving gets passed over because we're thinking about those Black Friday deals or even Cyber Monday. During this time of year, many of us focus on Thanksgiving, but like I said, Christmas is in the back of our minds because of that close proximity of the two holidays, which is interesting because when God set up a couple of festivals in the book of Exodus, he established the Passover, a time for people to celebrate when 
the angel of the Lord passed over them because of the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost. And shortly after the Passover, he established what was known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the two were so close in celebration that they actually became one and just known as the Passover feasts. And that's kind of what people do in America sometimes when we get to Thanksgiving and Christmas is we can refer to this time of year as the holiday season. Many Americans don't know that or they don't want to believe that the history of Thanksgiving is founded through Christianity. Most mark the first Thanksgiving in the 1600s. It was the most prominent event taking place among the pilgrims the first year on December 16, 1621. It was a time when the pilgrims barely survived their first year as they arrived to this new land. They barely made it through that winter. They suffered heavy casualties due to harsh winter, disease, and a lack of food. But as a new winter began to approach, they made this decree and this proclamation that they weren't going to worry. Even though it had been a rough year, they weren't going to worry about the upcoming winter. Instead, they were going to set aside a three-day festival with the point of this, to give thanks to God for surviving. And they stated this, by the goodness of God... We are far from want. And that was the first Thanksgiving. The tradition continued into 1789 with President George Washington when he issued a proclamation to a newly formed nation that just had a new constitution written up that they would set aside a day of thanks on the first Thursday of November every year with this reason, to give thanks to God. In 1883, President Abraham Lincoln set aside the last Thursday of November as a national day of Thanksgiving. And in 1941, Congress permanently established it as a national holiday to which the nation, is what Congress said, was to give thanks to God for his goodness and blessing. See, Thanksgiving is rooted in the believer's convictions of a need to give thanks to God. Yet today with all the preparation and the planning and the hustle and bustle and the traveling of what has become the holiday season, we tend to forget Thanksgiving calls us to give thanks to God. There's a classic story of a man's, a fictional story, where he had forgotten the meaning of the holiday season. He had forgotten the meaning of Christmas. The story is based upon a fictional character by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge. It's written by Charles Dickens in one of his famous stories, The Christmas Carol. And this morning, I want to take a page from that idea of The Christmas Carol, and I want to apply it to Thanksgiving. A time this morning where we're going to journey, just like Ebenezer Scrooge did, we're going to journey to Thanksgiving past, come into Thanksgiving present, and into Thanksgiving future. And my hope and prayer this morning is when we leave this place, we'll have a renewed heart and a new sense of thanks, not for the food we'll eat, but thanks to God. Our journey begins in the past, Thanksgiving past. And it's much like Star Wars sets up. It was a long time ago. Our Thanksgiving past begins before we were in diapers, before we enjoyed eating mashed potatoes or having smeared all over our face, before we got to enjoy that first Thanksgiving nap. I'm talking about a past where we weren't even alive to experience it. 
but also a past which affects all of us and sets the tone for all of us to give thanks this Thanksgiving. It begins not with pilgrims, but a very distant ancestor of all of us by the name of Adam, who was placed in the garden in the midst of perfection. And here is this man hanging out with the first woe man, just enjoying the breeze. And it seems kind of a strange place to start when you're thinking about thanksgiving. But this is what sets up thanks. If you look in Genesis chapter 3, God had placed Adam and Eve within the garden. They were in the midst of perfection. He had created everything just the way he wanted it. He declared it when he was done creating, that it was very good when he saw his creation before him. And then we come into Genesis chapter 3, and the heart of the first man and woman was attacked. A Satan came into the garden, and here's what he came with. Did God really say? You see, Satan's main tactic is to get us to question the word and command of God. And when he did that to Adam and Eve, sin came into the world. Again, it's captured in Genesis chapter 3. And because of this one decision that was made by these two individuals, all mankind who came from these two individuals would be struck with the disease that would kill them. The disease is defined as sin by the Bible. Yet even in the midst of this perfect communion with God, in the midst of communion with the Creator, the loving Heavenly Father, His heart was torn, yet we see in Genesis chapter 3 God's grace. When sin entered in, and sin comes through disobedience to God's Word, it separates the individual from the Holy God. And even though God's heart was broken, As he came into the garden, as he saw those that he had created in his image and they were forever changed, he comes into the garden and he shows his grace, he shows his forgiveness, he shows his mercy. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Now when it says that the Lord God made... This is different from Genesis chapter 1 where we're told that God created. The word create in Genesis chapter 1 is the Hebrew word bara. And it is only used for an action which pertains to only what God can do. God created. Now the Hebrew word for made here in Genesis chapter 3 is asa, which is to mean to make or to fashion or to construct You see, God did not create or speak a covering into existence for Adam and Eve. He constructed it. He made it. He fashioned it. And what that means is there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, when God's creation had been disrupted by sin, God made a covering for the first two people, which meant that something had to die. Something had to be sacrificed. This incident here in Genesis sets up the struggle with the, with the rest of the Old and the New Testament and the struggles that people have today in this world. But this scene at the end of chapter 3, it sets up the foreshadowing of God's redemption plan. If you read through the Old Testament, 
you would see that in the latter parts of Exodus, in the first parts of Leviticus, God sets up a sacrificial system, a way for which people's sins could be covered. It could be made anew. And you can read of that again in Exodus, latter part of Leviticus. But our Thanksgiving past begins with this type of covering. But it isn't a covering that we have to do over and over and over again like they did in the Old Testament. But it is a once and for all covering found only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the action of Adam and through the action of Adam and Eve, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. And because all have sinned, what the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23 is that that cost or that wage of sin is death, meaning an eternal separation from the God of the living. But through the grace and the love of God, there is a permanent covering for our sins, which took place, get this, in our Thanksgiving past, before we were even born, before we even knew we had sinned. Before we even knew that there was a God to be praised and worshipped, before we were aware of anything, God made a covering. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John, chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And why did all this take place? Why did God send Jesus? Because John 3.16, which many of us know, is because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him, and that means believe in him alone, would not perish but be have eternal life. It is because of this offering through God's only son, Jesus Christ, when he breathed up his last breath on the cross and he gave up his spirit to the will of the Father, which Paul, the apostle, writes several times, because of this incredible act by God, we are to give thanks to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A reason for thanks is because of Jesus. Our debt of sin has been paid in full. And Jesus and Paul both refer to this payment as a gift. And so it's interesting when we start thinking about gifts, because we immediately jump to like Christmas. But this gift is to bring us to a heart of thanks. Because they're going to start talking about Black Friday and send out Black Friday ads, or you're going to do emails about Black Friday stuff, I want you to remember there was a Good Friday too. And on that Good Friday, Jesus took the full wrath of God for the sins of the world upon himself, and they placed him in a tomb. Thanksgiving past is to affect our Thanksgiving present. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy of places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The Bible tells us in Psalm 100, verse 4, that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That means we are to come into the presence of God. When we gather with God's people, we should come with a heart of thanks. It tells us in Psalm 118, verse 28 and 29, You are my God, and I give thanks to you. You are my God, I extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And why is he good? Because his steadfast love endures forever. His loving kindness, his faithfulness endures forever, found through Jesus. And so Paul gives us some instructions on how we should respond to this incredible gift of salvation that we've been giving. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what in the world is Paul being led to write here when he says, Give thanks always and for everything? He's being led by the Spirit to tell us we are to give thanks in all times and in all situations that we find ourselves. Dave Ramsey, when asked every time someone picks up the phone or he picks up the phone to talk to somebody who calls into his radio show, and they ask how he's doing, he always responds to this, better than I deserve. And isn't that the truth for us? We're doing better than we deserve. And things may not be going exactly the way we want them to go. They may not go exactly according to our plan. But they do go exactly according to the plan and the purpose of God, which the Bible says is always for our best. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're to give thanks always and for everything and then to extend it into all circumstances or for everything. The Greek word here used to speak of all or everything is the same Greek word that we looked at in our past verse. It means that we are to be thankful in each and everything that we encounter in life. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Instructions are, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's important that we are a people of thanks because we remember that our penalty was paid in full. The death that we deserve, that eternal separation from God, is no longer an option for us. That we belong to him, he claims us as his own, and he knows us as his own. And so in Christ, we are to live a life of thankfulness, and we respond to the things of life with thanksgiving. It's to flow out of us. Our thanksgiving past and our thanksgiving present not only affects right now, but it affects our future. Thanksgiving future, the Bible tells us in heaven that the heavenly creatures are constantly giving thanks and worshiping God. Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. 
It says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, they cast down before the throne and say, Worthy are you, Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created." It tells us in Revelation chapter 11, verse 17, that we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who was and who is, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The word thanks in Scripture, in the Greek, which would be the New Testament, is the word Eucharist. Eucharist is another name that we sometimes use for the Lord's Supper or for Holy Communion. It's a time where we come and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, and we give thanks. Our past and present and future thankfulness is all reliant upon one act, and a verse I've already mentioned, but I want to add the verse that follows. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, whoever or whosoever would believe in him, would not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Thank you, God. It's when we take our eyes off Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, that's when we forget to be thankful. Because of God's love and Jesus' obedience, Paul would write this in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. He says, For while we were still weak, let me get there. <laughs> while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely, scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person. One would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Did you see there in verse 6, and then you go down to verse 9, and then into verse 10, Paul is led to lay out where we were in our past. We were still weak. We were still sinners. We were enemies of God. That's who we began as. That's how everyone who is born on this planet begins as. Weak, sinners, enemies of God. But then God steps in. And he changes the identity. And I want to focus on two words. There'd be a lot to unpack just in those few verses, but two words I want us to focus on. The first one's in verse 9. Since therefore 
We have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The word justified. Paul is led by the Spirit to use this word. It was used within the court system. What it meant is it applied to an individual who had been caught and found guilty of the crime. But then the judge decides to release the guilty party from the penalty and from the crime itself. So when we are found in Christ, he is our Lord and Savior, we come before a holy God and a holy judge, and he says, you're justified. Best definition I've ever heard is, you take it just as if I never sinned. So God in his mercy, in his grace, and in his love sees not the crime of the sins that we have committed, but rather, if our faith has been placed in Christ alone, he sees the perfect righteousness of Christ and declares us innocent. That's something to be thankful for. The second word I want to focus on is the word reconciled or reconciliation. It's brought up in verses 10 and 11. <clears throat> As mentioned, our Thanksgiving past is plagued with the disease of sin. Sin caused a breach and a separation from the Heavenly Father, the one who created us in His image and the one who loves us. But now, if our faith is in Christ alone, then we are reconciled which means we have been brought back into harmony with the perfect, holy God. Not because anything we have done to deserve it or anything we could ever do to keep it, but because God gave us his grace. He gave us his mercy, and he pardoned us. We are brought back in harmony with God. Now, I can't sing harmony. Some of y'all I know you can harmonize, and I think that's amazing. I am in awe of people who can harmonize together, even though they're not like, like you know, the quartet bands or the barbershop quartets. It's not my style of music, but I am in awe when you've got so many people who are singing together and they're harmonizing. It's, it's like when you hit a chord on a piano or a chord on the guitar. It's beautiful. That's what reconciled is. It's, it's harmony with God. We are now restored. We are beautiful. Our faith in Christ. We now give off this harmonizing sound of God. We are a beautiful sound to him. The Old Testament refers to it as a pleasing aroma. Because our wage of sin, our cost of sin, has been completely been removed by the blood of Christ and his resurrection. So this brings us to a question this morning. Do you have a true reason to be thankful this season? Have you accepted God's gift of Jesus Christ? Do you truly have a reason to be thankful? If not, then God has brought you here this morning to reveal his gift to you. And to accept that gift, just as we accept gifts on birthdays or presents, we have to realize we, we want it. We need it, and it's freely given. 
It begins by coming before a holy God and saying, God, I am a sinner. I admit that I am a sinner. I have done things that have missed your mark. They have missed your holiness and your perfection. I read things in Scripture, and I see I don't add up to it. I don't match it at times. I fall short. And then you tell God after you've admitted to him that you are a sinner, that you believe that he loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life according to the law and the commands of God. And he died on the cross to take the full wrath of God for the sins of the world. But they put him in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. He came out of that tomb three days later to show that he has the power over death, the authority to forgive sins, and grant eternal life. And so we admit to God we're a sinner, and then we believe that God loves us that much, even though we don't know why he would, but he loves us that much that he sent his son to do that for us. And the final thing the Bible says is we have to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. To make him the master of our life. And then we'll be saved. As Lord. He's already Lord. We confess him now as our Lord. If you're here this morning and you know that's something you need to do, so you can truly have a heart of thanks for this time of year. We're gonna have the time invitation. I'm gonna ask Nick to come up and lead us. And you just come down the aisle and you say, Pastor Mike, I, I need to be saved. You can stand here with me or we can find a seat here in the front row. And here's what I promise you. When one person comes to Christ, the Bible tells us that the heavens erupt. And I promise you in this room, there won't be anybody who will be looking at you in judgment, but we will celebrate with you as you will become part of the family of God and be our brother or sister in Christ. But if you need to come and accept Jesus Christ this morning, if this needs to be the day of your salvation, Nick's going to lead us in a song, and this is a time of invitation or response, and I'm going to invite you to come. Before we get there, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, we thank you that you want us. <laughs> and then you claim us. And you tell us nothing can separate us from your love ever. Lord, thank you for that incredible gift. As we come this time of year where it can become hectic and crazy, Lord, help us to have a heart of thanks. Even when things aren't going the way we want them to, help us to have a heart of thanks because of what you did for us. We praise you for you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning and your spirit is speaking to their hearts and they know they need to come down to confess you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to do so. Continue to be glorified. Continue to let your kingdom and will be done in this time. We praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>